Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Understanding the leading of God in ministry. That is to say, you're already in ministry or you're about coming into ministry. Uh, the things you could observe, the things you probably can see. I'm going to do more of a case study from the life of Apostle Paul so that we can have some better understanding. So let me start reading from Acts chapter 22, verse number 6. Acts 22, verse number 6. We're dealing with understanding the leading of God in ministry. The Bible says... And it came to pass that as I made my way, now here is Paul speaking actually to the Jews in relation to his conversion while he was being persecuted. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, I was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell on the ground and had a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, what persecuted thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuted. Verse 9 said, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they had not. The voice of him that spoke to me. I want you to take note of that. And the son said, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee. Take note of that. And when I could not see for the glory of the light that being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus, verse 12. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews who dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, Received that sight, and the same hour I looked up unto him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee, note that, that thou should know his will, and see that a just one, and should hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Take note of that. Ministry is directly connected to what you've seen and heard from God. Please just remove the treble and remove the echo. Just remove it. Praise the Lord. Now, let me start giving some little analysis. Go to verse 9. Back to verse 9. 
And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. But they had not the voice of him that spake to me. What does that mean? The voice of commission is very direct to the one the Lord is calling to start commission. And the point is, you can't miss it if God is calling you. He will speak to you, not just in parables, but that means by which you can understand exactly what he wants you to do. Whatever images, dreams, or visions he gives to you should be clear and direct. God can't call you to ministry or is leading you and you get confused. No. Now, there is something you can find for that verse 9. When he spoke, when the Lord spoke to Paul, only Paul heard what the God said. Those who were with him had nothing. Because the message was for Paul, not for everybody. Are you still following what I'm saying here? People can misunderstand you because they are not privy to the voice and mandate of the commission. That's why you are always misunderstood. Because they have no inkling as touching what God is commissioning you to do. To them you are a mad person. To them you are a confused person. To them you have no understanding about life. Here the scripture is saying those that were with Paul, even though they saw the light, they couldn't hear what the Lord was saying. And he never spoke to everybody. He spoke to one man that is calling to do an assignment for him. So the first place to begin with is to have grip of what God has spoken to you about. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. That means for everyone that is called, there are specific things that are appointed for that individual to do. The things that are appointed for thee to do. Hallelujah. You can't do everything. You can't be everybody. There are things that are appointed for you to do. Things are appointed for you to do. It shall be told thee. Now, the next thing is this. If you look at this scripture, it means God has appointed some individuals for your life to assist you in discovering your true ministry. Because he said, go to Ananias. And he's going to tell you 
That is where the issue of either spiritual fatherhood or mentorship comes in. Go to Ananias and he will tell you what you are going to do. The mandate was revealed through somebody God has already called. Hallelujah. Now this is the reason. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 16, I mean 17 verse 6. Deuteronomy 17 verse 6 the Bible says, At the mount of two witnesses, or three witnesses, you are here that is fully of Debbie put to death. But at the mount of one witness, he shall not be put to death. So, there shall be told thee, you've had me call you, but somebody's going to be a witness of the things I am going to tell you. No matter how much revelation God gives to you, there is somebody that must be a witness to that revelation. Is that okay? It establishes you. You can't break that law. At the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every case be established. You talk about Bezalia. God called Bezalia. Who did he speak to the first time? He spoke to Moses. Moses had to speak to the congregation. But the call was that of Bezalia. At the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every case be established. There is no way you have a secret voice that somebody cannot confirm. Are you following what I'm talking about? Remember what he told him? There shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. This speaks of the veracity of the call. The things you must do, very specific assignment. Discovering people of this nature that can affirm your calling and ministry is vitally important. Agree you have a call, but discovering people that can confirm the calling on your life are very important. Did you understand that? This will prevent you from making mistakes and to know exactly what you have to do. It will prevent you from making mistakes and it will help you to stabilize and know exactly what to do. Hallelujah. They can assist you with the blueprints of your commission and the Father reveals it to them. Go to Damascus. Meet Ananias. There's a man there who will tell you what you are to do. The point is, was God afraid of Paul? Why didn't he tell him exactly what he was supposed to do? Why is he asking him to meet somebody else? You'll be able to find the reason later because he said, without Ananias, the ministry of Paul will not have been accepted. The Jews have seen him to a murderer. But Ananias came to introduce him to say, no, this man is no longer a murderer. Remember the fourth way addressing Brother Paul. He could introduce him and the Jews respect Ananias. 
So now, because the Jews accepted and respect Ananias, they accepted the person he introduced. Otherwise, Paul would not have been able to do ministry, even though God called him. Everybody will have still reject him. They will run away from him. But seeing him in the company of Ananias was enough validation to say this man must truly be a changed man. Otherwise, Ananias would not have been with him. The person you associate with ministry matters a lot. Are you following me? Even in business, it's very crucial. I gave this illustration a long time ago. There was a young lawyer, can't remember the country, either UK or US, that was not performing. What I mean is, was not getting business. And so, he went to a senior lawyer in the, in the community and told the man, I don't know what is going on. I can't get jobs. Nobody comes to my chamber. I mean, I'm literally starving, even though I'm a professional lawyer. And he said, you come to me tomorrow, in the evening time. And he went to the man in the evening time. The man just put on a short, short nickel white, you know, and they said, follow me. And they start walking through the street in the neighborhood. And just telling other stories like that. They went around and they came back to the chamber. And he said, you can go back home. He said, aren't you showing me any secret? He said, just go back home. He went back home. Guess what? The next day, onward, the business picked up. Men were not coming to his chambers. And so he went back to the man and said, did you go talk to these people? He said, no. The fact that they saw you with me shows that what I can do, you can do it. That is the secret to life. The kind of association we keep matters a lot. And so here Ananias have to be the one to introduce Paul to the people, even though God called him. So without Ananias introducing Paul, Paul would have had ministry, even though he was called genuinely by God. Are you following me? So people are the same as your guiding angels in matter of this job naked. Very critical. The type of Ananias, they serve as guiding angels in your decision making. As far as ministry is concerned. Remember we are talking about understanding the leading of God in ministry. Hallelujah. And like I said, people like this could be referred to as mentors. Or spiritual fathers, whichever way you want to call anyone. The important thing is the kind of association you have and the nature of the person you are having this association with Malazi Lord as far as your ministry is concerned. Is that okay? But it's the young man that I know, and yesterday somebody called me and he said, Somebody gave me a prophecy and he was talking and so on. And then I asked, who gave you the prophecy? And he called the person's name. I said, just forget about it. Because I know who the person is. I know the company he keeps. I know the group that he follows. I mean, what is the point? I told him, forget about it. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Look at verse 12. 
He said, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews who dwelt there. That's what I want to bring out. Now, if you read this from the NIV, this is what it says. Verse 12. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected, that's the point, by all the Jews living there. So God did not send him to just about anybody. He sent him to the one that is respected, who is walking in the light of God's word. Do you notice that? Let me read it again. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout highly observer of the law and highly respected by what all the Jews living there. He stood before me and said, Brother Paul or Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Praise the Lord. Now, if you read from the message translation, this is what it says. Verse 12 of R22. R22, verse 12. And that is when I met Ananias, a man with a sterling reputation, look that, in observing our laws. The Jewish community in Damascus is unanimous on that score. He came and put his hand on my shoulders. Look up, he said. I looked and found myself looking right into his eyes. I could see again. Hallelujah. The qualities of men that God sent your way are men who have, who have and are walking the paths of God. They are not novice of the ways of God. And they are personal intimacy with the Father. At least they could hear from God and to make you see what you can see. Hallelujah. He could see because he saw his eyes. Hmm. Meaning, the revelation of your real you is granted to you when you truly meet the one God sent standing in his position as call of God. Do you follow what I've just said there? The people God will send you to will make you see your real self. When you are prepared to look at their face without confusion, without conflict, without doubt, he saw his eyes, then he knew who he was. The blindness to your walk can only be unveiled where you see the one sent by God and you could see his face face to face. Your true revelation comes back to you. That's why Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 3, remember verse 18, he said, we are changed from glory to glory as we behold him. The more you look on the one that is sent to you, the more your self-discovery comes up. Are you following me? Now, example of that again you can find from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19 verse 20. When David had to go and meet uh, Samuel. The Bible says, And Saul 
1 Samuel 19.20. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when he saw the company of the prophet prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Amen? As Samuel was standing as appointed, the Spirit flowed. Now, it was not a question of Paul, I mean Saul, sorry, Samuel trying to do something for the messenger of Saul to prophesy. No, no, no. The atmosphere was already prophetic because he was the father of the sons of the prophets. That was the only thing available. So what he carried was the prophetic grace. And he robbed up of whoever comes under him. Are you there with me? Now you must understand this. As long as Samuel was standing as appointed, that means the man he truly go to meet is not man that fluctuates even in his calling. You can't go to a man that, you know, maybe he's supposed to be a mentor. Today he's this, next tomorrow he's that, the other day is like that. That is not the kind of person that can cause you to discover your ministry. As appointed, there's an appointment for everybody, and for those who can stand as appointed by the Father, if you can meet them face to face, look into their eyes, you get a revelation of your call. Hallelujah. Go with me again to Acts chapter 16, verse number 6. Acts 16, verse number 6. Bible said, now when they are going through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidding of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Verse number six is powerful. Go to verse seven. I'll come back here and make some statement. After they were come to Asia. They are said to go into a beach here, but the spirits suffer them not. Begin to look at this. And then the next verse you see, which is verse 8. And they passed by Misha, came down to trails. Go to the next verse. Praise the Lord. But let me go back again and begin to share some of these things with you. As the Lord will minister them to me. Listen to this. Verse, I said verse number 6. Acts 16, verse number 6. Now when they were gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, first of all, understand this. The Asia mentioned here definitely is not the Asia Minor in general. For Galatia, Phrygia, Pisidia, Lacunia, and Pamphylia were provinces of Asia. And in these, the apostles preached. They preached in those areas. But it was what was called the Proconusus Asia, which included Iona, Elia, and Lydia. This is where the apostles were forbidden not to preach. So, Ministry is not a desire of what you want to go and do. 
Are you there with me? The apostles were not so far to visit this place at this time, but the apostles went there and preached the gospel with success. The first time they wanted to go, God said, don't go. And there's a reason. The heart of the people in that region were not ripe enough to receive the ministry of Paul. So you don't just carry your bag and, oh, the Lord is leading me or whatever. You have to confirm it. Is the ground ripe? Is the heart of people ready for your kind of call? Are you still there? Truth is, why the Bible says go into the world to preach? It's not everybody that you can preach to. I've told you here several times, it's difficult for me to preach to certain class of people. Not because I hate or reject them, but I feel they can't understand me. Is that okay? I'll, I'll be struggling to preach in certain places. So I know my strength and I know the sphere that God has given to me to minister. Hallelujah. I want you to understand it that this is very important. You don't just go to wherever you want to go to. No. You got to go to where God really wants you to go to. In the second section, I will show some things. But when I was thinking of vision and revelation, I told you. Before I came to town here, I had a friend, pastor friend, Sonny by name. He was, we were together in the circle area there. And then, I was going to look for him. In this vision, I found myself riding a bicycle to Willie, and I was looking for him. And there was somebody who stood up and said, what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for Pastor Sunday Okuya. They said, how can you be looking for him here in Willie? Okuya, they said, worry, and they are even waiting for you there. Hallelujah. I knew so well God wanted me to come to worry. And when I was talking to worry, he told me one thing. The land you are going to, I've given to you for the possession. And the second thing, that's why when some persons made me feel we could leave this environment and go to Subi area to get a land to build a church house, I told them God did not say go to Subi, he said go to worry. Usubi is not part of worry as far as I'm concerned. Worry is worry. It has to be the center. Hallelujah. So, we understand that they came again to preach in this place, but at that particular time, because in this proposal, Asia, that's why you have the seven churches. But that's the first place to tell them, don't go to. Because at that time, the heart and the ground was not ready for the ministry that they carried. Sometimes when you move to places where God has not even prepared, remember what he told Moses, he said, I'm going before you, the driver, the heater, the perizzard, and Jebusite. Is that okay? I've given you the land, but I'm going before you. If God doesn't go before you, you will labor in vain. Hallelujah. So here we find that the war was not going to be effectually received. Probably those in Prokosho, I mean, uh, Prokonus laws, 
Asia were not as yet sufficiently prepared to receive and to profit from the ministry of Paul. So God said, don't go there. Verse 7, and it says, And they were come to Mysia. They said to go into Bethany, but the Spirit suffered them not. Another resistance. Don't go. We are not talking about the devil. They passed through Phrygia into Mysia, which lay between Bithynia on the north, Phrygia on the east, Elunia on the south, and the Mediterranean to the west. But the Bible says, but the Spirit suffered them not. God saw that that was not the most proper time to preach the word in Britannia. And as he willed them to go immediately to Macedonia, the people there, being ripe for the word of life, instead, now, there is something I want you to see here. When you say the Spirit, you find it's capital letter. It's not actually in the original writing when I studied. That word is actually not just the Spirit like the Holy Spirit, not just Numa. It's actually Ehios Numa, which means the Spirit of Jesus. Is that okay? Not just the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself was the one directing them. The Holy Spirit is Numa, but this one is Ehios Numa, the Spirit of Jesus. So far them not. So you must be guided by God. You must be guided by the Spirit. Because he knows where he can be accepted. He knows where he will not be accepted. And he don't want you to go and labor in areas where you cannot be accepted. Is that okay? Verse 8 now says, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. So, you watch that. They were going to a direction. The Spirit says no. They were going to another direction. They said no. So, they just continued the journey. Now, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and do what? Help us. And that's very important. Come over to Macedonia and do what? Help us. You see, you want to preach. You, you've tried that in again. God said, don't go there. You've tried that in Virginia. God said, don't go there. We are available. Come. Did you get that? So timing and location are very important as far as success in ministry is concerned. Did you get it? So it was because of all those places God said, don't go, don't go. That's why this vision came up. You come. Because we see that your heart, you are desiring to preach, you want to do ministry, we are ready. Come. Hallelujah. Are you still here? And so, verse 10 says, And after he has seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel unto them. Amen. Are you following it? I want you to understand, we are talking of the leading of God. Because, you see, this call of you we are talking about, you didn't call yourself. It's somebody that called you. 
and he knows where best he'll want you to work for him. You are working for him. You are not working for yourself. That is why you truly need to pray. You truly need to seek the face of God. You must, like when I'm going to share part two, you'll be able to see that. One of the points at which God really comes to your life is when you come to a place of crisis in life. Then God is beginning to talk. I'll let you see that. Let me take this again. Act 26. Paul now testifying to Agrippa. Act 26, verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Shining round about me, and then quit journey with me. Verse 14. And when we were all falling to the earth, I heard the voice speaking unto me. Remember, in chapter 22, the voice spoke to him on the people never heard. Now again, remember here, and he said, Say it in Hebrew, tongue, saw, saw. Why persecuted thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the priest. In other words, now when you talk about kicking against the priest, you are under arrest. There's nothing you can do. Because the priest has to do with it. The thing they used to lock the animals so that, you know, they don't move out. So now they try to kick themselves. They want to be freed. Have you seen sometimes you tie your maybe sheep with the rope? You don't want them to go and they, they try to do this. That's what it means to kick against the priest. So what he's saying is, man, you are arrested. There's nothing you can do. I have called you. You are not escaping it. Are you there with me? Now I'm going to hear this Paul fight. He spoke to him in Hebrew language. It's a language that he can understand. He won't need anybody to interpret it. <laughs> he didn't say he spoke to him. He spoke to him in Hebrew language. The guy was a Hebrew. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then said I, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. There is always a purpose. To make thee a minister, and a witness both of these things which I have seen, and of the things in the which I will appear unto thee. So, when you come into ministry, Christ doesn't appear to you just but once. There is always an appearing. Anytime you want you to move into another phase. You can't say, I saw him 15 years ago, and then that is what you're running with. It's fine. But the truth is, if you saw him 15 years ago, you should have seen him some 10 years up thereafter, and some years thereafter. And so, you understand what I'm saying now? <coughs> he said, I will appear to you now. I'm appearing to you, and I'm still going to appear to you. Now, the word appearance there up to mind has to do with to gaze. When you come to the place of gazing on something, you can't miss it. It's not blooded. It is perfect, sharp, and clear. Praise the living God. Now, here is the assignment. Why he appeared to him? Say, for this purpose. What was the purpose? Verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles. Unto whom now I send thee. I'm taking you from among the Jews and then from the Gentiles and I'm sending you back to the people. You remember we have been taught 
The apostle filed in the temple because he went to preach to the Jews, whereas his call was to the Gentiles. That is not Bible. Paul was called out from the Jews and was sent back to the Jews. Hallelujah. What did he ask him to do when he sent them? Look at verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I go to verse 9. I mean 19. Whereupon, O king Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. That's the key. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So, the key point is, you have a vision, then you must work it out. You can't be disobedient to the call of God on your life. Hallelujah. So like we read before, I want to show you something now. Follow what he said. Go back again to... The next verse there that we just read. Verse, yeah. No, no. I want you to look at verse 18. To open their eyes, 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Remember, it's giving me the vision. I mean, the assignment. From darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 13. I want you to see something here. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Christ crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Christos and Gaius. Lest any man should say that I baptized in my own name. Look at verse 16. And I baptize also the hands of Stephanus beside, I know not whether I baptize any other. Look at this language. Verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made a word of non effect. So, in Acts 26, he gave the catalog of the assignment God gave to him. Baptism was not included. Did you see that? So you must know what you are sent to do. You can't be confused about it. The point is why we do almost everything other people are doing is because we don't even know the blueprints that God gave to us to carry on. As powerful the way the church handles the issue of water baptism Paul said, I didn't do it. Because when he called me, it was not included. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying there? Praise the Lord. So you must know what you are called to do. You must understand your primary calling, your primary assignment. Even if you must do any other thing, you must first get your primary calling set and ready to run with. Amen? 
Does it surprise you for Paul to make such a statement? Hallelujah. I mean, is it not shocking? Can you believe it? I baptize no other one, for I am not saying to baptize. So you go back to R26 and go through. You'll be able to see precisely. Baptism was not included. And he told Agrippa, I am not disobedient and I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I knew what I was called to do. You have to know what you are called to do. Amen? I remember some time ago, when, when we were still small and then we had uh, this issue. You know, I was not teaching Titan. I never believed in that. I was teaching it in a way. In fact, I even wrote a book against it. So all these people are shouting, these are the things we've done before. Until one afternoon, the Lord woke me up. He just, I was just resting. He just spoke to me. First Corinthians 9, 9 to 13. First Corinthians 9, three times. The afternoon, I took the Bible. I went to begin to read. By the time I went through that passage, I realized that Paul did not collect tithe from some people because he felt if he do that, people would not receive the ministry. It was out of fear he didn't collect. But he was not rebuking the people. And saying, if Father have the right to collect, don't you think we also have rights? And then in last verse 23 there it says, Haven't you read that the priest who minister in the altar will live by the things of the altar? And then a brother came the next day and said, We should go and preach to this GKS people about the issue of Titan. He said, the people are insisting that they must pay tight. I never knew that was going to come up. So when he came and told me that, I said, okay, fine. We're going to go the next morning to go and talk to them. At about 1 a.m., the Lord woke me up and said, loud and clear voice, I didn't call you to preach against tight. I called you to preach the kingdom of God. And so when the brother came, his name is Tony. I told him, I'm sorry, my brother, I can't go. The Lord said, that is not my assignment. You have to know what you are called to do. Because it is in obeying what you are called to do that they call you a faithful servant. Let me read that. Luke chapter 25 verse 20. Please, if my time is up, you let me know. Luke 25 verse 20. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Lord, that deliverest unto me five talents, behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. Verse 21 said, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over few things, I will make thee ruler over what? Many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Specific assignment with specific capacity. If you check the parable of the talent, every one of them ever had the same amount of talent. Ten, five, one. Your grace is specific for what you can do. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that walk in iniquity. What is iniquity? The word iniquity is anomia. Anomia means lawlessness, violation of the law. Not to be under law, not to do anything under law. And the way we preach grace today, we are becoming anomias, or we are suffering from anomiaism. We don't longer have anything to do with law. You think when you mention law, you're talking about the law of Moses. But it's unfortunate. When the Bible says, obey your father and your mother, that I might be well with you, it was the law. Does grace take care of that? You just, you have to be crazy. You don't understand what law means. Husband, love your wife. I mean, you understand what I'm saying now? And wife, submit to your husband. Is that not law? So which law did you think Jesus finished? Anyway, for those of you who are interested, you go, go to the website and study what we did on the finished work of Christ so that you can understand what I'm talking about. We think when we say finished work of Christ, everything is finished, then you can be stupid. No, that is no grace. Hallelujah. So we are men who do not walk under law. Now, what it means is, if Christ is not asking you to do what you are doing, you are operating outside of law. Because we are in obedience to the law of the Spirit of Christ. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. There are some things God can ask you to do, which to the ordinary man can look very embarrassing. But it's God asking you to do it. And we have a reason asking you to do it. And the outcome of what you are going to do will glorify his name. Like when he asked Hosea to go and marry Harlot. What do you think God did when he asked him to do that? Because Israel has gone into harlotry. And they felt pain that this prophet did that. And God said, oh, you could feel pain? There you are. You see what I'm saying? This is the kind of pain I'm feeling because of what you've done. That was the reason he asked him to do that. Are you listening to me? You know the story of the young and the old prophets in the Bible, First Kings chapter 13? You know that story? God asked him, go destroy an altar, don't eat bread, don't take anything. First Kings 13, let's look at verse 20. I want to read something there for you. And it came to pass, as they sat at table, that the word of the Lord came unto the old prophet, I mean the prophet, that brought him back. Now he was going back, after destroying the altar, and this old prophet sent somebody to say, go and bring him. And he turned back, and he said, come, let's eat. And the man said, but God said, but I'm also a prophet. You have read the story, right? Very good. 21 said, and he came unto, I mean, cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Don't fear the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but have come back and has eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come into the sepulchre of thy father. Can you imagine that? He who asked him to come back is one prophesying about his death. That's why it's not everybody in the true sense you can listen to. No matter the grace, no matter the oil on your head, whatever oil people call them, even if you're having three jerry cans of oil on his head, 
and fire burn it walking on the street is not a guarantee. What is critical for you is listening to the voice of God. The minister of this young prophet is go there, destroy the altar, and go back home. Eat nothing. Drink no water in that place. And was going home now. All that prophet said, go call him. By the time they got him, he said, but the Lord told me, he said, am I not a prophet? And he submitted to the prophet, he was submitting to God. So when you look at verse 25, he says, And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet was. Verse 29 says, And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back, and the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Don't allow an old prophet to bury you. You understand this? Why? Because he disobeyed the voice of God and listened to the voice of an old prophet. That was all. Now, have you seen a situation where a lion can stand by the side of a carcass without eating the dead body? A lion? That's a miracle itself. The same thing where you see ravens bringing food to Elijah. Ravens feed on carcasses. You can't, you can't tempt them with food. But they were managing the food, home delivery, onto Elijah without touching it. So I believe this lion was sent by God. But he shot his appetite against eating the man. So that the prophecy of the old prophet that he will not be buried in the sepulchre of their fathers may come to pass. Now he was buried in another place, not where his fathers were buried. Why? Because he disobeyed the voice of God. So, you must mind the kind of ministry you associate with. You must mind the kind of people that speak over your life. I mean, even what you see on television does not make you to buy into such ministries. It could minister of the old prophet. Are you listening to me? Come to my time is up. Let me just read this so that we can pack up till the second section. Acts 21 verse number 10. At 21 verse number 10. Oh. The Bible says, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Joppa, Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he told Paul's Gedu and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus here the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bound the man that owned this Gedu, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Verse 12, And when we have these things, both we and they of the place, Besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean a year to weep, to break my heart? For I'm, not re- I'm, I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Amen? Now go to Acts 20, verse 20. Paul again speaking said, And I came back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly. From house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God, and faith towards Christ our Lord, Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound into the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Verse 23 says, Save the Holy Ghost, witness in every city, saying, Bounds and affliction abound in me. But none of this thing moved me, neither count myself dear unto myself 
so that my, I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Praise the living God. Did you get this? Even though the prophecy were coming, you go to Jerusalem this way, you're going to suffer. Say so that not an issue because I remember the commission. I'm taking you from the people and I'm sending you back to them. For one thing, he was sure we're not going to die in the hands of the people. Because he must fulfill the commission. God did not include it that when you go back to the Jews, they'll kill you. But not part of the commission. Are you following what I'm talking about? Sometimes people begin to say, like I said in the beginning, that Paul was disobedient, that's why he was killed. That's not true. Go through your Bible again. God called him from the Jews, sent him to the Jews. He first intended to give them the good news to the Jews before he moved to the Gentiles. It was when they rejected him in the temple, he now began to move to the Gentiles. But then he had gone to testify to them of the very miraculous thing God had made him to see. Are you following what I'm saying here? Obedience to the call is vital. Even if it's going to kill you, let it kill you. Amen? It is vital. I'm just being honest to you. If, if you must die, die honorably. Being on the field. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Yes, let it be honorably done. Paul said, no, I don't care if I have to die for the sake of the Lord. Die honorably for the sake of the Lord. Don't die like the young prophet. Is that okay? Now, this is because when you walk in disobedience, I want to make you understand. You will fulfill your ministry. Paul said, I'm going to go there. So going to the Jew was part of his ministry. Let that, so that I can finish my course. What is a course? A course is an allotted portion. You see, the father of John the Baptist, the Bible says he was ministering in the course of Abia. Good. So, now they were changing the priesthood. You understand that? So their priesthood, actually Abia, which is the only name from Nigeria, Abia State, that's the only, only name in the Bible. But the truth is, Abia is from the priesthood of Abiata. That's a short form of Abiata. So it was from that lineage, and that was their turn to minister in the temple. So that was a cause. So a cause is to do with your allotted assignment. And so when God finished, I mean Paul finished, remember, he said, I have finished my course. I have run the race. I'm about to be offered. He has finished everything God gave him to do. You have to know what he called you to do. Praise the living God. And when this is sorted, you walk into obedience, God definitely, definitely is going to honor you. I'll see you in the next section. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.